This is Jeff, and you're listening to How You Got Here, the podcast where we tell extraordinary stories from ordinary people. Today is episode Through Joy and Laughter with Dr. Nene Chung. As we continue October, our Women's Month of Excellence, we bring you Dr. Nene Chung. She shares with us today her struggles, her successes, her setbacks, her triumphs, and everything that she's gone through in her professional life, and to give us a little bit more light about how she got to where she is today. She's self-made, she's worked hard, and we're so grateful that she could join us today. I want to thank you for being patient this week. We had an amazing thing happen in our family. Uh, We have a new arrival, Miss Ava Lynn, born on October 4th, five pounds, two ounces. We're completely blessed here in our house. We thank you for your patience with this episode coming out. And now without any further ado, here's Dr. Nene Chung. Well, Nene, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. We're, we're here. We're gathered for October. The month of October is going to be focusing on women and entrepreneurship and struggles and challenges and all this wonderful stuff. And you were introduced to me by uh, a mutual friend of ours, Bobby the Awesome, as she likes to call herself, Bobby Malatesta. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, Bobby Malatesta. And so with that being said, give us give us a little bit or quick or long intro of yourself. Nene, tell us about yourself. Okay, where do I begin? So currently, we'll start at ground zero today. I am moving from a private practice as a integrative doctor, and my training was as a chiropractor. I have a master's in nutrition. I'm board certified in nutrition. And so my motto has been, make your body a better place to live. And then I added a few years ago, through joy and laughter. So I'm in the process of transitioning from a person-to-person, in-person practice to a virtual practice where I think I'm ready to serve a much larger audience. And with everything that's happening with COVID, and um, I took a few years off actually because I was doing home care with my elder mom who just passed. So I thought the world is moving in this direction. I've had my private practice since... 1984. So I've been around a little bit longer than the average bear or bearess. (laughs) And I'm ready. So I'm ready to jump into this virtual world and I'm designing some webinars. I eventually want to do my own podcast and YouTube. So it's a new, big, grand learning curve for me in the health field and to empower people, to help people to understand that the body does heal itself. And that's a lot of my training from chiropractic and the, uh, you know, the the basic philosophy that the body heals itself. So it's that universal energy to innate energy, the energy within ourselves. And so I'm translating that into that virtual practice. And I'm really excited about it. You know, it's a little scary, a little trepidatious, but I'm ready to kind of make that jump into a new world, really. Yeah, I don't think anything at this point in time with everything that's going on in the world isn't a little bit of a scary thing to get into. Yeah. Wow, you started off. It's off. a recreation. Yeah. Change is always a little scary, but exciting at the same time. So you can have both of those thoughts simultaneously. Absolutely. Now, you said you started off as a chiropractor, correct? Well, the truth is I started off doing my bachelor's degree in literature, liberal arts. Okay. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my future. So I was sculpting for a while after college. I thought that was really my passion. And what led me into chiropractic was that my first year of practice, I was heading to school and stopped at a light. A car hit me from behind, from a sitting, you know, standing position, sitting position. And I got really bad whiplash. And so as a result of being in pain, going to an orthopedic surgeon for a year, you know, who's just prescribing medicine, I went through the yellow pages and I found a chiropractor. And within three visits, I no longer had headaches that I'd suffered from and backache and neckache. So I've, I've had a little bit of a circuitous path, I would say. I didn't think I would be a chiropractor. But that's, so I I actually had my bachelor's, I completed that. And then I started taking art classes and sculpting post-college. And then I studied shiatsu, tai chi, and 
and I said, gee, I'm getting serious patients that had medical conditions. I want to be a doctor. But I did not want to prescribe drugs. And so that led me back to my experience with chiropractic. I had a personal aha moment from that. And I loved it. And I loved my doctor. And I thought he saved my life. And so I said, hmm, let me work this through. Because at the time, I was a vegetarian. And then I actually went back to school for two years to do pre-med. Because the only science I had in my bachelor's degree was ecology and oceanography. So it's been a journey, and I took a lot of different turns here, there, everywhere. Yeah, so right. it's it's part of my journey of how I got to here very many years ago. Um, yeah. So let's. And I became a chiropractor. So then I went to four years of chiropractic college in New York. So I, I'm the, you know, I've got the most amount of degrees. It took me a <laughs> long time. These days, I'm not sure that people could afford going yeah. through all those colleges because I, you know, I didn't come from a family of money at all. So whatever money I earned, whatever money I was able to borrow from family, friends and banks, that's how I, I had a vision. That's why I always tell people, if you have a vision and I didn't have a really clear vision to begin with, but as I took one turn, the next turn, the next turn, my vision got broader and broader and broader and led me to become a chiropractor. That's awesome. So yeah. let's let's get into that. let's get into that. You graduate chiropractic, so we're gonna fast forward a little bit, because yeah. okay. you because you because you are an entrepreneur. You said this the thing that people don't realize about chiropractors is that once you finish school, uh, unlike and this is not a knock on on any profession or anything like that, unlike going to medical school, unlike becoming a DO or going into a different medical field, there is no real fellowships. There's no um, internships per se. I mean, there kind of is, but not really. And chiropractors aren't in private hospitals for whatever reason. So there's not this big old, you know, I don't want to say big contract because I don't know what doc, uh, MDs per se get paid because it depends on the field that you're in. Um, but there is, there's nothing like that. There's no residency is the word I was looking for. So you kind of, you graduate and you're like, good luck. People are like, well, good luck. You, you got to go. So not only good do you luck. wear the, yeah, not don't only make do you, it on your own. Exactly. Not and only do you wear the doctor hat, but you have to wear the business I had hat. hat. I had a doctor yeah. hat, but you know, I graduated December. And by February, I had an office that I found a sublet. So it wasn't full-time office, but I found a sublet. It was already being used by another chiropractor in DC. So there was equipment there. I didn't really have to make a grand investment, except for maybe a desk and some, you know, some small things. But by February 4th, I was working in New York City on... Central Park West, which is a pretty prestigious address to have. And I started, I just started with my vision and my dream. I just, like I was a laser and I, boom, wound up there and started working right away, right off the bat. Yeah, now, that, was, that was all my vision. I just was determined and I needed to work because I needed to make money. I'd taken out a lot of student loans. And so I, boom, just jumped right in. Nice. So when you say your vision, can you elaborate on what your vision was for your practice? Because this is going to translate later into other things that you're going to be doing as well. So did you write things down? This is before, this is what's crazy to me. Um, I was at that transition of paper notes to electronic, electronic medical records, you know, which is still really recent. It, they've, they've been around, but it's still very, very recent that you've had to have them in. This is back when it was all paper stuff. You know what I mean? Like everything had to be written down, mailed in for insurance verifications, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's going off into the weeds there. But what was your vision and how did you, like I said, did you write it down? Is it something that you just had in your mind and you did step by step? And how did you accomplish it? I'm sure I wrote some things down, but I'm not a big person on that step by step. I think I get an idea and I jump. So... I don't even remember how I found this office, but it was a perfect office. I mean, you know, I think once you're, and my, what was my vision? My vision was to have a place in New York City. That was about it. I knew that I loved chiropractic. I also knew that I wanted a holistic type of practice and that I wanted to include nutrition. So other than that, hmm, I, I really learned as I went along. Awesome. I knew that I, I wanted to be that holistic alternative complementary doctor and, and include a lot of different um, 
disciplines into my practice. So it wasn't completely clear. And a lot of what went on, what transpired was, as I said, I mean, I would take a left turn, a right turn. I think, nah, I don't like that road. I'm going to go down this road. So a lot of it was really somewhat determined by what I came across as I was in practice. And one of my big turns was that someone that I knew that I graduated with wasn't really friendly, was more of an acquaintance, said to me after a year and a half, two years of, of my practice, hey, you want to open a, a space together? So I had 800 square feet and I was thinking it was a condo medical building. So I was thinking about, actually I was drawing a paperwork to, to purchase that office. And then when he came along, he said, well, let's find double the space. So we actually found the space, 2000 square feet. Hmm. And I expanded my vision then it was so much more space. I actually hired an architect, designed it, it was raw space. And I came up with an idea of something called the whole health care center. So that, so I think as I began to move in my practice and then my vision got larger, I actually was able to trademark that name. Where did that come from? I have no idea. You know, right. some things I feel just landed, but I had a vision of having an inter interdisciplinary practice where it would be myself. Uh, eventually that became, there was a psychologist there. There was a woman that was doing acupressure. I had a medical doctor renting space for me, and he was actually doing more of a weight loss program. Um, I had a phlebotomist, so I was able to draw blood, you know, within that office. And I had another chiropractor. So it became the whole health care center. And then I started giving classes. So step by step, every, everything expanded from that point. Not without trials and tribulations, I have to say. <laughs> it sounds easy if I describe it like all the winds, but... It was somewhat heartache and falling flat on my face. So let's talk about that a little bit because we talked a little bit before about the friend that the acquaintance that had called you going in the business and everything like that. You have this, what sounds like a pretty good practice going on. Um, yeah. You know, successful from, from all intents and purposes that I can understand. And then someone calls you and it's an opportunity. Of course, it sounds like a great opportunity. Sure. Go in. We can see more people. We can do this with this model. And you get double the space. Now, for those who don't know, going from 800 square feet to 2,000 square feet, that's a big jump. That's 1,200 square more feet. That is it's a massive jump. Yeah. I mean, 800 square feet. I already had three treatment rooms and a small office and a, a small reception area. So it was really, it's fine. Yeah. Private practice. It was, it was perfectly fine. The, the space didn't have windows. So I knew I didn't really want to be there long term. So making a jump into a larger space, and it was only going to be half for me and half for him. And it was designed that way, so it would be a flowing space. But yeah, shall I continue? Yeah, the so there, there's the trials and tribulations, because that's one of the points of this show is that we always hear about the successes, right? But we wanna know the challenges to get to that plot, because a lot of times we just see like, I, I like to use Brad Pitt as the example all the time, and this is the best one I have. I go, people, Brad Pitt is super famous, multi-multi-millionaire that has enough money for three lifetimes, all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, what you don't know is, a lot of people don't know is, he used to stand in front of El Pollo Loco and used to be the ch guy in a chicken suit to, to try to get people into El Pollo Loco. Really? Oh, yeah, that's what <laughs> that he did. That I never heard, but yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's what he did. So let's hear about these trials and tribulations because yeah. – we know we're going to get to the successes, but let's talk about the hard stuff, the lessons learned, if you would. Sure, sure. And I love this story. So I, I always say it to encourage people because also when I started, I had no money. My family had no money. So I really, again, I don't know that I stood outside, uh, you know, as a chicken. I, I was a, <laughs> you know, I was a waitress for a while. I worked at a museum for a while. You know, I, I, I worked it a lot. My first job was at 15. I was, you know, Carvel. So yeah, I have humble beginnings for sure. So everything I did, I had to do with the intention of, or the idea of how do I make this work? Where do I get the money? Can I fund it? Am I making enough money? And I had no business sense whatsoever. And, you know, basically I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. Everything I did was just leaps and bounds ahead of anyone that I had in my family as a mentor. And I didn't really have professional mentors either. 
So maybe I saw it on a TV show. Maybe I read about it. You know, um, where did I get my ideas? I'm not sure. I think universe, universe, you know, yeah, inspired me. Okay. So one, so I, because I'd been in private practice already and had a following, my partner, quote unquote, had not practiced. We graduated at the same time, but instead of actually working, he traveled around every state to get his licensing. So he went to California, he went to Florida. I don't even know what other state. So he really had no clinical experience and I'm not sure about his business experience. Well, I was someone who like, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it now. Let's do mm. it yesterday. Why isn't it happening faster? Kind of a person. Once I had my mindset on something and I had already given notice in my office that I was doing this because I found the space, had an attorney drop the papers and the building now was waiting for me to sign. And we were each, we each needed to get $50,000 alone. So a hundred thousand dollars total to renovate the place. It was raw space basically. So there's a blank canvas, nothing in there. It's just like nothing, nothing for nothing. lack of better terms, slab of concrete floor. So yeah. it wasn't even, you know, in Manhattan, it's ideal if you can get walk-in traffic, but I, we were not counting on walk-in traffic at all. Fifth floor, someone had to know where you were to find you. It wasn't that there was any kind of billboard saying, Hey, come be here and, you know, see Dr. John. So the building was pressuring me and I signed the lease. So I signed a 10 year lease for 2000 square feet, double the amount of space that I needed more than double. And how much was the rent at the time? I think it was $2,000 a month. Plus there was all of these escalation fees, real estate escalation, taxes, you know, all of this, but I thought, okay, it, it's doable. I really had no concept of the amount of obligation and responsibility I was taking on. Really, I have to say as a business person, I was somewhat clueless except that I was making money and I was paying my bills and I was living. So then, and I was, Chase had promised me, Chase Bank had promised me $50,000 loan. He said he was waiting for his $50,000 loan. And I thought, okay, all done and deal. But word of caution to people, don't make decisions unless you have it in writing and you have the money in the bank, signed, sealed, and delivered. Big business lesson in my life. I decided, okay, everything is in place. I will go ahead and I will personally sign this lease. He was meant to sign a sublease, which he never did. The night that I, after I signed the lease, he called me, hey, Nene, I'm in Florida. Really, what are you doing in Florida? <laughs> I just signed the lease. You need to be up here signing a sublease and we need to get going on all this. Well, I hate to tell you, but I changed my mind. I'm staying in Florida. What? You're staying in Florida? Are you out of your mind? I just did this whole shift because you were coming in as my partner. I felt like, okay, first face on the ground for me. It's like, OMG. The next morning I call Chase. Hey, just checking on my $50,000 loan. Oh, the bank, the manager is, no, is not here. All right, well, when we expect him? Well, he's no longer with us. <laughs> he's no longer with you. What about my loan? I need my $50,000. Well, we need to review it now. Someone else has to look at the paperwork. We need to review it. Second, second slam down. I thought, oh my God. Well, okay, how long is it going to take? Because now I've signed the lease. Now I have no partner. And now I don't see my money coming. And I was already now on the hook for this space. They call me in a few days. Sorry, Dr. Chung. We are not able, after reviewing everything, we are not able to give you your money. I'm like, what? I thought I was going to die. I mean, talk about business crashing down. And so now I had no place. I mean, I still was working, but within a month's time, I would have no place to work. I had a space that I'd signed for, so I was legally obligated for it. For 10 no years, nonetheless. I had no revenue. You get the picture. Yeah, 10-year lease, too, nonetheless. 10, ten years. Year like the, you're, you're, you're on a 10-year lease going, huh? And it's not even that I could have put equipment into it because it was concrete floors. Yeah, oh, wow. It was a mess. It was a complete mess. It had no walls. It was open space. I mean, it, it wasn't subdivided. It was 
a nightmare. And this is what I consider, this is my miracle, divine providence stepping in. And this, and again, I'm not sure, I, I tend to have a positive outlook. I pray on things. Once I've fallen on my face, it's like, oh dear God, please, you know, send me some angels here. I happen to be sitting on the subway and this man engages me in this conversation. He's a metropolitan life insurance agent, about 20 years my senior. And obviously he's trying to sell me some insurance. I mean, we start talking and this and that. And I guess I, I told him what was going on. I said, listen, I don't want life insurance. <laughs> you know, I'm in a bind right now. It's the least thing I'm thinking about. So he said to me, you know, I happen to be half Chinese. I gave, I showed him my business card and he said, go to the bank of China. And I was like, no, I've been to every bank. I've never even heard of the bank of China. He said, go to the bank of China. They'll give you money because you're a doctor and because you're Chinese. They'll give it to you on your signature. I was like, trust me, I've been to the first woman's bank. I've been to Citibank. I've been to every bank that I know. Okay. So this is just a message from angels directly to me. I walk into the bank. I call them up and I get an appointment. I walk into the bank and they they not only have no electronic anything computers they're handwriting their ledgers I mean, oh that's, wow you know, wow like, <laughs> and what year is this i meant to ask what year is so i mean but they still believed in that level of honor and you're good for your word you're good for your signature you're a doctor we trust you they gave me $50,000 on my signature, a signature loan, no collateral, no nothing. So what, what, real quick, what year is this? This is approximately 19, I'm going to say 1996, like 86, around the end oh, of 1986. Wow. I mean, yeah. don't we all wish <laughs> that was, yeah. that, that was the case. Cause yeah. it's, it's certainly now, not let me just say 16% interest. Well, yeah. When, when so she first, when you, the, that was the eighties, right? That was yeah. going on in the eighties. So today people would think twice about doing that. But Absolutely. I just thought, again, I had to go through this. I'd already signed. It had to happen one way or the other, but now I could not afford a, a general contractor. So I put on the hat of being, and again, I know nothing about this. I put on the hat of being my own GC. And so I hired a carpenter. I hired an electrician. I hired a plumber. Um, we built two on my 50,000. So 50% of what the budget was supposed to be, according to the architects, I developed uh, eight treatment rooms, a big, huge waiting reception area, two bathrooms, and then I was able to rent out the space. That's my miracle. That's how did I get here? Just from sheer I will do this. I will accomplish this. I have no choice. I had to keep moving forward. And I did. So that was a big thing. And I loved it. You know, I loved, I loved wearing that hat of being a general contractor. And then when people saw what I was doing, like the, you know, the electrician, the contractor, everybody, they loved that I was doing that. And so they gave me extra help. They just encouraged me. They were like, Nene, you're doing a great job. This is incredible that you're doing it. I mean, you know, very few women were doing that, first of all, very few women that were not meant to be doing that, being doctors, you know. So I just got the support of all these people because they knew the situation I faced. Even the plumber said to me, Nene, you know, give me half the money that I'm due. And when you can afford it, pay me, you know, you can pay me over time. And so I just got so much help with that. It just, it, it, you know, I was able to stack that positive flow you know, over and over and over again from people. So, yeah. So was, you had to that put... That was one of my, kind of my most, you know, most fun times in my life because I was being creative. I was meeting different people. I mean, from different walks of life that I never would have. So it wasn't my patient base that I was meeting. It was really all these other people that were also in a creative field in construction. I loved it. I had fun. I had so much fun. Well, and it creates a network of people that you know you can reach out to uh, in, I don't want to say in a bind, but if you needed something done, you knew who to call now. If exactly. You, you know, exactly. And that's yeah. what I think a lot of people don't do these days and they don't lean on their networks. They lean solely on themselves. And I'm not saying that nobody built anything by themselves. Don't get me wrong, but you build a network to help you help yourself. 
Yeah. You know, and you were able to do that with, with starting out without a network. You had to be your own general contractor, which I'm sure, not because you're a woman, I, I find that intimidating as all get out because someone will go, what do you do? I have no clue. I, I don't know. I need, I need walls. Okay, who do I call for walls? You know, you know what I mean? I would, I would literally, you know, even back then, now I even look up whatever version of the yellow pages or white pages exists, you know what I mean? And go, walls. Yeah, and there was no YouTube in those days. So. Yeah, there was no do, do it <laughs> but I yourself. I learned so much. I mean, I learned so much from doing that that I was actually able in my personal life to, to, to build and lay out kitchens and take on, um, you know, I, I bought a condo in Florida. I was able to... I wasn't the GC, but I could help with design work. I could really, I, you know, I developed a, a different um, skill set, really. Yeah. So completely outside of what my professional life was. So, yeah, I love it. I going love it. That was, through. That was, and that was really from falling on my face, thinking, I will not survive this. I really will not survive this. I mean, you know, I went into a dark place, but for a day or two, I couldn't really afford to stay there very long because I was saddled with this responsibility and I had to keep moving. So there's been a few times in my life that I, I, I felt, you know what, what, what can you do? You need to breathe, take one step in front of the other, and then just trust that it will all be revealed. It will all come. So that's my, and that's, you know, chiropractic mode, right? Faith, confidence, and belief. And you don't, I didn't necessarily know it from that, from experience. I mean, you hear the words, faith, confidence, and belief, and what does that mean? And then you're tested. And as I was tested, I thought, wow, this stuff really works. Yeah. So, so how long were you at that location for and how long did you, because you said you're not in chiropractic now, how long were you a chiropractor for? I mean, once a doctor, always doctor. You're still doctor. Do- yeah. You're still Dr. Yeah. Chung. I still consider myself a chiropractor. I yeah. just don't do so many hands-on. I mean, okay. I probably stopped doing chiropractic per se. Well, I, I really... You know, my focus was a lot on nutrition, more of an immune system, because back in the 80s, also around the same time, well, when I would, I was doing detoxification programs with people. And so what I realized was all of these emotions were coming up. People were crying, people were having kind of out of body experiences. And so I started teaching a class called the Healing Forum. And I, I'm not sure if you know Louise Hay, but I started using a lot of her meditation and healing work. And I would just have classes once or twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, maybe for an hour, maybe two sometimes. And I would teach people meditation. So I was, I was teaching people tools. And again, this was only, I only started doing this because I saw that my patients were emotionally distraught or suffering. And I said, okay, I need to give them some implementation of tools on how they can make their bodies a better place to live, how they can heal themselves and how they can calm themselves and how they can move through all the things that are were, were just coming up out of their physical bodies into an emotional realm. So that really became, uh, so I, that I also loved very much. And I thought, I just didn't want to see people coming in for pain. I wanted to see people coming in because they were wanting to really make dramatic shifts in their lives. Gotcha. And, but I, I I practiced chiropractic up until probably t- I'd say 2005, six. I mean, I, I still will adjust people. Mm-hmm. I'll adjust my kids. I'll adjust, you know, people. Now that I'm not in a physical location, I don't. But but I like that people still say, you should never have stopped chiropractic because you have incredible healing hands. So, but after doing it for over 30 years, it does take a little bit of a toll. We're going to take a quick pause for one of our sponsors. Naked Warrior Recovery. If you've got aches, you got pains, if you struggle with anxiety, even PTSD, Naked Warrior Recovery CBD products are the products for you. I use them myself. I've been struggling with a foot injury for the last few months, started taking the gummies and also using the tinctures and energy drink. Man, I'm telling you, it made all the difference. I'm able to walk around on my foot all day with little to no pain and it's getting better and better every single day. Go check them out. Naked Warrior Recovery. Look them up online. The website is nw-recovery.com. Take a look at them. Veteran owned. And I'm telling you firsthand, their products work. They've helped me tremendously. Use code HOW20. That's capital H, capital O, capital W, 20 to get 20% off your purchase. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a, a very physical, physical profession. <laughs> I have to say, to be honest. 
it's yeah. a physical profession and people don't necessarily understand how physical yeah. it is. You're it, standing, you know, you're on your feet all day long. Yeah. It's not a sitting, you're not, you're not at a desk. You're, you're physically working with people, manipulation, you know, and I, I was really big on doing ultrasound treatments, which I love. I wanted to develop an ultrasound treatment bath where people could just go through the bath, get the sonic waves and mm. just release pain from their bodies. If I could develop that, that, that would be incredible. There you go. Now you got your master's in nutrition when, well, while you were going to school for chiropractic after, after you set this practice up, because that's a, that's a feat in and of itself to be able to finish chiropractic school and either get, get a master's in nutrition during, or even after, for those who don't understand chiropractic is, it's not, is that when you're in your office, you have your office hours, but as a business person running a business is 24 seven and to find time to do other things, it it's few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you want to have some kind of personal life, but I actually went after, so let's see, I started in 1984. I got my, I finished it in 19, hmm, I'm going to say 95, 96 mm -hmm. around that time. Yeah. I probably started 91 and then it took me some time to finish because I worked on my master's thesis. So I actually wrote a thesis and at the time my office was uh, downtown Manhattan and that's when the whole HIV AIDS epidemic was really hitting New York wow. really hard. So I had patients coming in and it was, it was really considered unidentified at the time. It was swollen lymph nodes. It was like an unknown lymph adenopathy, they called it. And then it was finally diagnosed as HIV as an immunocompromised situation. So because I had that patient base, I actually wrote my thesis on that. And I, I did HIV weight loss and diarrhea. Wow. So now I took another turn into working with people with building up their immune system. And this was when, you know, a lot of people wouldn't treat these people. They were seen yeah. as somewhat pariahs. They were told by their medical doctors, let's look at your blood tests. Oh, you've got a, a white blood cell of one. You have three months to live. And that was what I considered in my practice, you know, a call to action because I thought, wait a minute no one can be God and tell you how many months you have to live. So I, I just, it, it, I thought it was really wrong. And so I did very basic things nutritionally. I mean, I, you know, was giving fiber, protein shakes, you know, stopping weight loss, stopping diarrhea. And I actually had a very successful nutritional practice with that. You know, not that people didn't die, but there were people, a lot of people that were survivors. Hmm. And in the retrospective studies that were done, years later and going back to see that, that when the people were surviving and primarily it was it was men i had maybe five or six women that were diagnosed hiv positive and then eventually um, a handful of that went into full-blown aids but they they said people that survived the survivors did nutrition they were in a uh, a group they would meditate they had more positive thoughts about their lives and they didn't just take anyone's word that they had three months to live. So they discounted all that. And those kind of studies have been done with, you know, heart patients. I think uh, someone named Dean Ornish, who's a cardiologist, mm -hmm. he did that study, retrospective studies with men that survived uh, without going through heart surgery. So it, it, it was really an interesting time. I mean, it was a difficult time. Again, it was very hard people were dying. I mean, it's, it's really not so dissimilar to what's happening today with COVID, looking at a, a virus, looking at a compromised immune system, looking at comorbidity factors, um, and looking at surviving and thriving with somewhat of an integrative holistic approach. Mm -hmm. You know, looking at, you know, do you have diabetes? Do you have heart disease? Do you have, you know, obesity? Things that you actually could work on now and increase your chance of survival. So it's not just the idea that this virus is going to get you. You know, in, in high enough exposure, yes. If you have a weakened immune system, yes. But the idea, so it might, so again, my practice of another bit of a turn. And then I was, I really wanted to focus more on people that had immune compromised situations. So I was seeing then, you know, uh, HIV and AIDS, I was seeing cancer patients, I was seeing, um, autoimmune issues. I was seeing people with MS. So yeah, yeah, that was another challenge. Like, what do I really do to help 
these people that have been told they have a limitation on their life or, you know, I had an MS patient whose doctor said to him when he was 20, you know what, by the time you're 25, you will, you will not walk, you will be in a wheelchair. Oof. So that was my, again, my call to action. And it took me into another level of my clinical practice. I think a lot of people forget, and I've actually looked into going to get my uh, master's in nutrition as well. Um, I used to have quite a bit of knowledge of it. I, I, it's like anything else, you, you don't use it, you lose it. You know what I mean? You have a basic information. But um, the f wonderful thing about food and the scary thing about food, especially nowadays, food can, can be medication in a way that where you're putting the right things into your body you're not gonna suffer as much. Now, if you have HIV or AIDS, you have HIV or AIDS, but you, like you said, you can eat correctly to help your body help itself. And now that's exactly. not to say you're never gonna have to have medication. I'm not saying that, because if anybody takes those words and twists it, I can see why they would. I'm not saying that. You can have type two diabetes. We've, we have discovered it's because we're eating too much crap. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why I mean by food yeah. can be I your mean, poison. Our food sources are terrible. We're oh, basically killing ourselves with food. Yeah. I mean, the American, you know, we call it the sad, right? The standard American diet is killing a lot of yeah. people and it's creating a big, you know, burden on the healthcare system. And that's, that's what I think, you know, in terms of now being more of an, a spokesperson, you know, I, I say I'm more of a thought leader because I, I have all these ideas, all these thoughts. Now we just need to implement them. And they, it is being done to some extent, but I don't think enough, yeah. big enough, yeah. not fast enough, not smart enough. It's still that the drug companies are still driving the discussion, the issue, and they're the big money makers. Like doctors are getting less and less money, educators are getting less and less money, and big pharma is getting more and more money, and corporations are getting more and more money. So that's kind of my political stance yeah. on well, all Well, one of, that. of the things that kept me from becoming an MD, um, I met a cardiothoracic surgeon and a cardiothoracic practitioner, right? And what threw me off and made me just not want to go into it not not knocking anybody that's in it congratulations you keep doing a good job those ones that are good out there he said i have to prescribe a certain amount of statin drugs per year in order to keep my license and right then yeah. and there i said that's bull because yeah that's big pharma it was he says big pharma controls what i get to do as a doctor and that's what i don't like and i'm not going to mention his name frankly i don't remember his name but i'm saying that right then and there opened my eyes to be like if i'm really want to help people not that people who are cardiothoracic surgeons aren't and i didn't want to be part of um here let's just give you this pill and make sure you get better because i believe the human body is a worth way more than that and b we just as as human beings we are you know, look at studies, we are naturally, really, we're nomadic more than people think we are. I mean, we're not designed to actually stay seated for long periods of time. We are designed to move around. We are hunters and gatherers long before we were sit on couches and go to the stores. You know what exactly. I mean? So we have, as a society in general, humankind, it's great that we don't need to go out and kill our food so our food can't kill us per se, but the chemicals that are going into our food almost qualifies our food to not be food anymore and i'm not i'm not going to go into the meats and antibiotic stuff because i frankly don't know it i don't have a ton of research on my on my own research on that so i'm not going to knock it say it's good say it's bad i, I prefer grass-fed beef if i can get it you know what i mean um but also i'm talking mainly about our vegetables and plants everything is almost not everything almost everything has become gmo you know what i mean it's genetically modified i'm like okay, well what nutrients have you taken out of it in order to genetically modify this, you know? And what's sad is people look at these big, huge, well, I'll use a pear as an example, because that's just in my head. They'll see a big pear, right? That's not labeled organic. And they'll see an organic pear and see how small it is. And they'll go, well, I want the bigger pear. And I go, oh exactly. gosh, it's- and possibly I, bug infested. But, yeah, yeah, possibly bug but, you infested. You know, all those fruits and vegetables, I mean, they just do not taste the same. No, they don't. So right from the get-go, you know, hmm, wait a second. This is supposed to be a sweet pear. It's supposed to be a sweet melon. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a major factor in our yeah. dis-ease and our, our like disease process. I mean, honestly, it's not just dis-ease anymore. It's really a disease process yeah. that's going on. 
Absolutely. And we see like the cheap food that people eat, like from McDonald's and all that, like, is it even really real meat? I mean, it's processed, synthesized. Is it real cheese? Is it really coming from a cow? You know, there's so many different issues with all of it. And I'm never going to say I've never eaten at Burger King or McDonald's before. I'm not going to say that. You know what I mean? I have. You know, um, and sometimes I still do. I got little kids and sometimes it's just easier to be like, you know what, let's go get some nuggets and get home. I mean, I'm not, I'm not claiming I'm perfect. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, food is what I grew up. I was born in 81. Okay. And I can tell you right now, I remember the, there's a huge difference between fruit from the eighties and nineties to the fruits of now in the 21st century. Cause when people say GMO, like, well, well, but look, you can grow it anywhere. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, but the thing is, fruit and vegetables were not meant to be grown everywhere. There's a reason they're, they're there's a reason they're regional and seasonal. There's a seasonal. reason exactly. Yeah. And when you see a little pear that is labeled organic, which I think that's the hard part. Watch out for organic too, y'all, because organic does not necessarily mean organic. Organic means sometimes means organic enough. So, you know, <laughs> which means it might have been next to the field that got sprayed with pesticides, and it trust me, it got over there too. But it's still way more nutrient dense. And that's what you're looking for is nutrient dense food in smaller amounts will fill you up and be way better for your body than non-nutrient dense food that fills you up, but (laughs) that fills you up, but it's not as nutrient dense. And it's not that, oh, I ate more though. So it's going to get the same nutrients from that small little one that that's organic. No, no. And just in terms of energy, is that, I mean, one of the things that I studied was biochemistry, right? You have to study biochemistry yeah. to see how things, and you, when you look at the chemical cycles of things, what you see is why we need vitamins and minerals because vitamins and minerals become, you know, the coenzyme factors that move um, chemical mm-hmm. equations along, right? So that's how we produce energy systems. And if we're missing, let's say magnesium, we're missing B complex, B12, B6, then certain energy doesn't move in that direction. And so metabolically we're exhausted, we're fatigued because we're, and it takes energy to digest the food. So you're digesting kind of what I would say is dead food Mm -hmm. where you're using energy to break it down, but you're not replenishing the energy that you lost. I say it's like you're a car and you run on empty and then you're using up your reserve tank. And then before you know it, that's gone and you're exhausted. I mean, how many people in this country and then stress exhausts you and chemicals exhaust you and you know so many things we're just depleting 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 and then what are we putting back that we're replenishing and food is one of those things that we can replenish ourselves with and you know vitamins and nutrients so absolutely you know i always laugh when people say do i have to eat like this forever do i have to take these vitamins forever i say well it's not like you have one good meal in your life and that's it you know it's like you have to keep putting gas in your car you have to keep changing the oil used to be changing the spark plugs. I don't think they change anymore. You have to change your battery once in a while. I mean, you know, we take better care of our cars and our toys sometimes better than we take care of our own human bodies. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, people look at it as like you're saying, they look at their stuff, right? Look at my stuff and they think that has value. But for some reason, we look at ourselves as a whole, not in saying individual people, we look at ourselves and go, well, look how much fun so-and-so is having and they're eating garbage. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go eat garbage right now. I'm not knocking coffee. I personally don't like the taste of coffee, but how many, how many people what drink coffee and I'm, there's not a knock, but there's good coffee and there's bad coffee. There is right. And I go, look how much coffee you're having to drink a day for you to claim that you need the energy, right? Well, Water can actually do the same thing for you because water is what your body actually needs. And coffee in and of itself is a diuretic because of the caffeine and all that other kind of stuff. And it actually will dehydrate you. But like, oh, but I get energy. I'm like, yes. But an hour later, you're taking down another cup of coffee. Exactly. And, you're exhausted. Yeah. yeah. And metabolically, you know, because it's a, it's a, it's a stimulant. Exactly. So it's actually using up a lot of your water-soluble vitamins. And B-complex, I mean, I call B-complex a big anti-aging. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 102 and I look like I'm 82. (laughs) (laughs) People can't see me, but (laughs) that's a joke. That's a joke. She will not say her (laughs) age, but she is not 102. Vitamins. I swear by the whole B complex because you know that's one of the vitamins that when metabolically you're under stress and you're under chemical duress 
you're not eating properly. I mean, the B vitamins is really what kind of keeps me going and keeps my energy up really, really high. Yeah. So yeah, and and coffee will, you know, a cup of here and there, but people that, I've had patients that were living on 10 cups of coffee a day. It's like, <sighs> whoa, Nelly, yeah. slow down. Please slow down. What are you doing to yourself? That's and where it's you addicting. Look yeah, that's where you look at a guy and you wonder why your blood pressure is like 150 exactly. over 102. You know, I had a couple of weeks ago, I had my blood pressure. I, I get my blood pressure taken twice a week. Okay. And um, I had a very bad tooth infection. Got that tooth removed. Feel so much better now. The day, two days, three days before I got the, when I went to the dentist the first time for them to check it out, I was in so much pain that they took my blood pressure. I was 175 over 111. My normal blood pressure, I kid you not, is like 116 over 70. That's my normal blood pressure. So like you're saying, stress will raise your blood pressure. Well, what's coffee going to do? People are like, oh, I'm up in I'm energy. But yes, but you just put that caffeine, you just put that chemical and whatever other chemicals are in there that are okay. just, yeah. they're going to spike your heart rate and they're going to spike your blood pressure. And we're, we're using coffee as the example, folks. You can use the same thing as if only you're eating cheeseburgers, if you're drinking soda, diet soda, yeah. regular and soda, and sugar. Yeah. Sugar will do the same thing, right? Yeah. Sugar is a stimulant. It'll, it'll, I just want to get back for a moment when you talked about the statin drugs and the, yeah. the um, cardiovascular doctor that you talked about. Because I always have this discussion with patients because, you know, everyone's looking at their cholesterol. But really what we know is that people with high cholesterol sometimes never go on to have a heart attack. And people with low cholesterol can go on to have a heart attack. So it's not necessarily cholesterol because cholesterol is needed by the body. I always say cholesterol is the building block for certain hormones that we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, cholesterol makes testosterone, makes progesterone, makes estrogen. And so all these statin drugs that are lowering that, I'm like, well, what about your other balance of your hormones, your bioidentical hormones in the body that you also need to think twice. And, you know, we studies that have been done for 20, 30 years now, show it's not necessarily the cholesterol which satin drugs are meant to to decrease it really is the level of inflammation in the body bingo and so that can be test you know we see that inflammation in alzheimer's we see it you know with dementia we see it with diabetes we see it with cancer we see it you know with vitamin d deficiency we see it across the board and so that's not necessarily unlinked to the amount of stress that we have in our bodies, the amount of stress that we're living in the world, the chemical stress, the emotional stress, the environmental stress, right? Yeah. Food yeah. stress. So it's always that discussion that I want to be having with people. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that's what we need now. We need more educators, doctors as educators in the world. I mean, doctors were meant to be educators and it's really, you know, I would say the modern doctors, especially I know I, I continue to continually ask, you know, medical doctors, like how much nutrition did you actually get? Well, you know, we got maybe an hour, but it was during, it's an elective and it was mm. during a lunch. So guess what? Not very many people studied it. Now it, I think it's changing. I really do think it's, it's changing, but there's a lot of, you know, generations of doctors that were raised basically with no nutrition thinking, oh, yeah. that's nonsense. Forget oh, yeah. about it. Vitamins. Don't take vitamins. Don't take this. Don't take that. Mm. You know, in an ideal world, we wouldn't need extra vitamins because our body, our body doesn't make vitamins. We should be getting it from our food. But if we're not getting it from our food, if our food is kind of dead, then we need the vitamins. And you know, as you say, I mean, we're we, you know, we should be hunters and gatherers and outside, right? And we're not. And so we're not getting the vitamin D from the sunshine. There's environmental issues. We're not active. Um, there's so many, so many lifestyle factors. I mean, I practice something I, I call lifestyle medicine. So it's not medicine as we think of with, with drugs. It's really medicine the way medicine is supposed to be as the complementary integrative healing. And we need to look at our lifestyles because I think a lot of times our lifestyle is really what's killing us. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. We yeah. live, like we talked about earlier, a complete and utter, if we really compare our ancestors when i say our ancestors i mean really go back to our nomadic days even heck go back to the 1800s when we when like farming was like the you that's how you ate you know if you lived in the city you were a banker but i mean yay not knocking it but i mean still there were people spent way more time outside than we do now and it's getting less and less and when we say when we we're talking about vitamin d earlier we have to supplement with it so much because really all we have to do legitly to anybody listening out there to get a good a decent amount of vitamin d we're talking like 20 to 30 minutes outside in the sun 
arms and legs like exposed even just a little bit you don't have to be in you don't have to be like naked you know be in a short sleeve shirt and be in some shorts and soak in that vitamin d for 20 30 minutes and your body starts producing it but it cannot produce it without the sun one of the big things with um with covid now before anybody listens and crucifies me not you i'm just i'm putting i'm putting my hand up like people are watching me right now but (laughs) i'm saying stop just hold on yeah you know, there's a, there is the study. I wish I had the name of it. If I had it, I'd quote it. And if I if I can't remember, if I'll find it and, and put it in the in the details of the podcast when we get there. But you know, seventy percent of this country, meaning the United States, has a vitamin D insufficient. We're not sufficient in vitamin D. Is what I'm trying to get out. Now, with that being said, a lot of people that are also getting hit hard with the with COVID are people with extreme vitamin D deficiency. They are the there are people in the older population. And there are people in the obese population. You know what I mean? That exactly. these are the people yeah. who are getting hit with it hard. Now, you don't just have to supplement with vitamin D, but if you're not getting outside, go buy a supplement for the love of everything. Help the vitamin D helps your immune system. It's like the immune system vitamin amongst there are others, but if there's one main one to get in, get it in. <laughs> get yeah, vitamin D. I would D. say. I would say. You know, when I first got into practice, when we thought about vitamin D, we were looking at two hundred IUs of vitamin D as that's, you know, that's the basis, that's the standard. When they started looking at vitamins as needed for life, you know, it's like the, the, the food of life, they were looking at it and doing studies based on what's the minimal amount you need. And like, let's say vitamin C, what's the minimal amount of vitamin C you need to prevent scurvy? So it was all in relationship to how much do we need to prevent a disease? But we had no clue that vitamin D was linked to so many different um, you know, systems in our body. We didn't think about brain function. We didn't think about bone function. We didn't, we really just thought, okay, we need vitamin D. It's one of the water fat soluble vitamins that we need. But, you know, I do blood testing on people and I don't know, I've never seen an overdose. So the, 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 the normal range goes from, let's say 30 to a hundred. And even when I supplement people with, with 10,000, 15,000, and I wouldn't go high without testing people first. So I'm not telling people like how much dosage you do. You should always get a baseline. But when, when a traditional doctor will look at a blood test and say, Oh, you know, like you're 25, you're maybe you're 30 and you're fine. It's like, no, 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 no. You want to be closer to a, having a hundred as a value with that rather than 30, 30 is like, you're barely making it. And again, when they look at, when you look at blood tests and they say, what's normal, what's, they take the average of the population and they bring it in. And that's the, the normal and normal doesn't mean optimal. Normal means what's the average of the population. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about what's the optimal functioning for your brain, what's the optimal function so that you're going to enhance the absorption of calcium in your body, then it really is a different discussion. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. Mean, this stuff I love. I, I could talk yeah. about it. As I, I can tell. I, I can tell yeah. we're, it's something we're both very interested in. That's I'm like, okay, we kind of went down a big rabbit hole there, but this is, the, yeah. it's just, <laughs> it's your show. <laughs> a and little I, detour. Yeah, a little detour. How I got here. But that's, that's yeah. all part of it. But yeah, but it's all, all part, it's all part of I, it. Yeah. When I see what's going on, then I, you know, it spurs me to different action and different discussion. Yeah. So you still treat every now and then as far as chiropractically but you've more ventured now into the nutrition world and aspect of life, right? To help people. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I would have to say nutrition was always my base and my okay. life. And I've just really heightened and deepened that. Gotcha. The part that I focus on now is more, you know, I love every aspect of healthcare, but I think when I added the joy and laughter, what I realized was that if people are missing that, emotional psychological component and i'm touching my heart right now mm-hmm. as i say that that's the part i i really feel that where healing occurs absolutely if you i can you know make recommendations i can say okay you need this kind of vitamin you need this kind of physical treatment you need this exercise pattern that's all well and good the real healing i think really comes when people's hearts are open there's People have stress around relationships. They have stress around past hurts. They have stress around everything. And until you get to a point where you feel like you can receive that healing, I find that a lot of people block it. You know, they they are not either prepared or their mindset is such that I'll never get better. I'll never get better. I remember that this doctor told me that I'll, I'm going to die from this. And so I'm going to die from this. So you really, you know, what I feel is that part of my job now as a doctor, as an educator, 
as a thought leader is to work with people's mindsets. And, you know, it, it's the joy. It's like, mind, you know, I call it mindful healing through joy and laughter. And the it comes really from the belief that your body can heal itself, but it needs to be given the, the right tools. And the tools are nutrients, lifestyle, medicine. But, but the really important tools, I think, is what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? And so that's a whole other discussion. And it's yeah. a whole other you know, thing, for want of a better word, that needs to shift. That's the monumental shift into healing. And that's why it's mind, you know, it's that mindfulness. And so meditation helps with that and activity, you know, stretching and, you know, chiropractic and, you know, all kinds of body work and nutrients are crucial, but it really is that shift of mind, body, spirit. Absolutely. That needs to kind of all be one because we've, we've separated somewhat. Oh, our minds goes in one direction. Our bodies go in the other direction, right? We've gone into therapy and I, you know, I'm a person, I love therapy because I love talking and I, I love all that, but it has to happen on an emotional level. Like, you know, the heart has to open yeah. for, for, I think, true healing to occur. What you're explaining is what I always tell people, what I've told people in the past is, and I've, and I've treated people like this. I'm, I'm a chiropractor as well. Is that, I call it being married to the diagnosis. People have this like, they, and you know, those who have been married, if you've ever been divorced, I'm sorry, I don't want anybody to ever be divorced out there. Um, it's not something easy to go through. And it's sometimes it's really hard for people to, to leave another person. But you have to be willing, unless it's legitly something like that's going to, you know, really kill you. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people come in and they go, well, I, my doctor, I, I love this line. My doctor said I had this. And so it's just always going to happen. I go, okay, we got to get you off that mindset. We, we, here's the thing. Yep. You're right. You have that, but it doesn't have to stop you. It doesn't have to keep you sitting still. It doesn't have to keep you in this mind frame of, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And if you really, exactly. really yeah. listen to what we're going to teach you, and do the exercises that we're going to show you come and get your treatments. You're going to realize that you do not, the, the word I can, the words I can't are not going to be in your vocabulary. And we have to really exactly. yeah. get people to divorce their diagnosis in a way. And, and again, if it's not something that's going to kill them, of course, if it's going to kill them, it is what it is. But I'm saying like people who come with arthritis, they always say, well, I have arthritis, so I can't do this. I'm like, why can't you do that? Well, I have arthritis. I'm like, I don't know plenty of people who are arthritis, that mountain climb, that hike, that ride bikes, that skydive and, and do all this really cool stuff. And now you cannot want to do something because you don't want to do it. But let's not put it on the arthritis. You really have to get real with people. Like, And some people think it's, well, that's kind of cold. I'm like, no, it's just it's, let's face reality. Let's get that negative mindset away. Because like you said, exactly. you open your yeah. mind, you open your heart, you open your soul. And yeah, it's a little spiritual here, but I don't care. Let's go that way. Is that you're really going to be able to, that's what heals you. We can heal the body. Oh, we can help heal the body. Because I believe, what you, like you said, the body does heal itself. Um, we help it along its path. But in the end, the body does heal itself. But the body is not just the bones, not just the muscles. It's the mind. It's the heart. And it's everything else. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have to say, I mean, kind of going back to the original title of this, you know, how I got there from here, yeah. how I got here from there is that I was told when I was 19 and, you know, a year after that car accident, Nene, you've lost 30% range of motion in your neck and you have to live with your pain. <laughs> I was uh. like, what? I came to you when I was 18. I'm 19 now. I wasn't born with this. No, I just said, no, that's wrong. I don't buy that. I really don't buy that. I mean, I left this, this orthopedist, uh, you know, office crying, you know, I was just entering my second year of college. I thought, no, that's not acceptable to me. Yeah. You know, and then years later I was diagnosed with a gallbladder condition when I was in my twenties and the doctor said, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to cut it out. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> well, that's when they really no. went in and cut it out. And they so didn't do the little laparoscopic. You know, I learned all these things to say, no, I'm not doing that. No, no, no. You're not taking an x-ray. You're not going to do all these things. No, 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 you're not. And so it was me always saying no to something that I just, it was an intuitive thought. No, I don't want you to invade me. I don't want you to drug me up, you know. And even so many years later, I mean, closer to, you know, this decade, you know, I was told, oh, you have breast cancer, you need a mastectomy. And first I cried, and then I went to an, 
a second opinion, a, a doctor, um, a breast surgeon that I knew from 10 years prior that I used to lecture with. And she said, absolutely not. No, 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 no. And I thought, whoa, I just really dodged the bullet. I mean, like, thank God. I mean, it was a incorrect diagnosis, but I went to someone who was ready to do a really radical surgery and I didn't need it. So, so my own personal experience from health issues and doctors saying, this is the way it is. And then, you know, having patients, I'm a really strong advocate for get a second opinion and know that you're really in control of your body. And so that's my voice. Gotcha. So that's, so from my personal history, my personal life from me saying, no, 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 that's not true. I'm going to look elsewhere. I'm going to try to do something to help myself. Nice. And maybe I would not have succeeded. And there was, you know, I always say, you know, when I had patients that died, I would say, you know, death is not a failure. No. Death is not a failure. I mean, it's it's a hard thing, but you you and I've had patients that have said, if I die tomorrow, I'm fine because I lived a full life because of things that I did, decisions I made. And so, I mean, we're all going to reach that point at some mm -hmm. at some time. So happier to die feeling you've taken care of yourself, you've loved yourself, you've provided for yourself rather than to feel like you're the victim yeah. walking walking another path, you know? So that that Very has well become said. really a philosophy that I was not born with and that I've developed over years and years of personal experience and professional experience. And so, yeah, it's been really an interesting journey. I mean, and you know, sometimes people think, oh, why did things happen to me? Why did that happen to me? And even when I have young kids come to me with food allergies and things, I say, you know what, it, it's, I know this is gonna sound strange, but it's a blessing that you've come in with this issue. Why? Because you're taking care of your body at a much earlier age than most people. You've had to, you know, you're being asked to take care of yourself, to pay attention to yourself, to learn about your health. Some people don't take that into, um, you know, into consideration until they're 50, 60, 70, and they've already done so much damage to their body because they, they didn't have the, either the awareness or the consciousness, or they would never, or they didn't pay attention to pain in the body mm -hmm. or to imbalance in the body. Yeah. So I always try to, for kids, especially, I always try to turn it around. Like, don't think that it's such a bad thing. You know, let's look for what the positive is. And the positive is that you're understanding your body in a way that most adults never have to this date. Well, so, yeah. Before we close down here, cause man, we've been, I've been loving this conversation, but I want to get more information about you out there as well is, you're starting to do, is it virtual consulting with nutrition? Is that what it is? I'm going to clarify that. What's well, I've actually done virtual consulting. You know, I've, I've been using Skype now. I'm, I'm starting to use Zoom. So I, I do one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm putting together now uh, some webinars. And and also I'm, I'm looking to do a YouTube channel and some podcasting. So I figure I'm going... I'm going into future mode. Gotcha. You know, I have I have 19 year old twins, and they're always saying to me, "Mom, it's great, you know, that you're learning all these different things." I mean, oh, yeah. I never thought I'd be on YouTube. I never thought I'd be a podcast. I mean, all these different yeah. things. I'm 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 excited that I'm starting. It's like I feel like I'm starting out fresh. You got your own you know, network at home with your twins. Up, like I'm opening up my doors to a new practice. So yeah. You got your own network right there with your twins right there. 19. Here's how you do it, Mom. Here's how you do it. So. I know we talked a lot. I know we got into the weeds a little bit. I want to thank you so much for just for joining us and, and being here with us today. Where can people find you online? What's your online presence? You have social media. Where can people find you so that they can get a hold of you and partake of your wisdom? Probably if you Google my name, Nene Chung, N-A-N-E-C-H-E-U-N-G. I, I have a website called uh, drchung.net. And coming up soon is going to be online, just nenechung.com. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I don't post very much, but you know, I'm trying to increase my presence. But if you Google my name, you'll, you'll see things, you know, coming through. And um, I, I have an office number, 212-949-3900. Yeah, that's, all right. that's all the best ways to, to reach me. And I do private consultations. I do something called concierge. So sometimes people will... Um, you know, sign on for a year of service with me um, when they're doing more intensive. And 
you know what I love is that I just had a patient call me. I haven't spoken to her in 10 years. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm having a health issue. And I know I haven't spoken to you in 10 years, but you're the one I want to speak to. And I think that's great. I love that. I love that long-term association with people. Like, you know, I worked with her intensively back in the eighties and, and now, you know, she's in Florida and I thought that's good because you want that connection. You want Absolutely. people to, and that's important to me. That made me feel, you know, it just made me feel that I was important in that I'm the person to go to when you have a health issue, when you have a health condition, because I like to look at a different point of view, not the traditional point of view. And again, my, you know, my motto is make your body a better place to live. And it's, it's really about joy and laughter because who wants to live if you're not laughing all the way? Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's what I feel. Exactly. You can take everything away, but don't take away my laughter and my sense of joy and my gratitude for life. So that's the, you know, that's the beauty of it all, I think. Well, love it. Well, Dr. Nene Chung, thank you so much for joining us and sharing us your story, your knowledge, and telling us how you got here. Thank you so much. It's been really, it's been a pleasure. And that's our show for today, folks. I thank you so much for listening into this podcast and helping me spread positivity to the masses. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe with everyone you know. We have a new show coming out every Friday for you. You can follow me on Instagram at How You Got Here. That's How the Letter U Got Here, and you can follow me the same on Twitter. My email address is How You Got Here Twenty at gmail.com. Again, that's How the Letter U got here 20 at gmail.com folks have a wonderful rest of your weekend week or day depending on when you listen to this and we'll see you next week